Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. Okay, you're gonna lo- you're gonna love this next one. Um, this is a session where we got really clear on kind of like the power of mentoring, mentoring. And, the, and the power of looking as a, a high performance originator at somebody who wanted to become a high performance originator mm-hmm. and the decisions that we make on on how to make that that happen. So we're going to we're going to welcome Eric Almquist and we're going to welcome Rachel Pierce to the stage. Um, these guys are a dynamic duo yes. and we're going to focus on what Eric did with Rachel and what Rachel did to become her best version of you. So let's uh, welcome those two guys at the stage. Show their production number. <coughs> hey there. How are you? Nice to see you. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. So um, let's, let's, uh, let's jump into this. Um, I think we labeled this how to go from 80 to 165 closings a year in four months or less. And it, it, it wasn't exactly four months, but you have had uh, an amazing, amazing journey. And I think we'll start, Eric, with you, right? And uh, the question that I wrote down to ask you is, is for all here, this is a super important moment in, in this idea of mentoring and, and bringing up the next generation of, of loan originators. Um, you have had an amazing career as a leader. Um, what's the most powerful lesson as a leader that you have taken away in mentoring Rachel? And just tell us the story a little bit and uh, uh, this idea of you had to be okay with it. Yeah, so, bring so, that up and go. So just one? <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. Good. I love, That's good. That's very it. good, Eric. Um, well, just, just a little history about Rachel and I. Uh, our relationship goes back about a decade. Uh, but about three years ago, I had an opportunity to open a branch in Omaha. I'd been at my previous employer for about 20 years and just needed a little bit of a change. And I had called her uh, when I knew I was going to do this. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to take this step, and I'd like you to be part of it. And I just gave her a little bit of framework about what her role would be. And uh, she said, I'm in. And I, s- I didn't give her any details about comp. So I, I think that says a lot about, for one, her character, because she just trusted emphatically that we would, we would be able to build something. And so we did that. We opened Branch uh, May of 2016. And her primary role when we did that was my production partner. I had always been uh, a top-level producer in my market, and I hired her to help support my business. And uh, when I did that, um, what I what happened over the course of the next year and a half is I saw that she had a desire to go to another level. You know, she had the willpower and the drive to step into the LO world. And so she kind of came to a crossroads in about December of 2017, where I recognized, hey, you get one of two paths you can go down. You can either go down the LO path, and that's gonna be more risky to you, or you can keep doing what you're doing. And she chose the LO path, you know? She chose the harder path. Um, 
And I think that says uh, a lot about her and her drive. And since then, I mean, that was the beginning of 2018. And if I looked at what she's done uh, in 2018 and when she ends 2019, she'll probably almost double her volume by the end of the year. That's awesome. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Yeah. So what I learned out of that is, you know, if you want to bring up the next generation of people, I mean, you have to give them permission to fail, you know. You have to say, hey, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? If something bad happens, you re readdress whatever it is and you move forward. Um, and so I think if we want to bring up the next generation of LO, because in our business, when you give somebody permission to fail, I mean, for me as a branch manager, what that means is, hey, look, I'm going to have to deal with some stuff, you know. I'm going to yeah. have to deal with some customers. I'm going to have to deal with some problems. I'm going to have to deal with stuff. But if you don't do it, you don't get that next generation of people to move forward. So I, I want to address something, though, because I think it, it was a, real, a remarkable moment in your relationship because here you are on Eric's team, right, and you guys are crushing it and you're part of, you know, his high-performance operation, and you are relying on Rachel in ways that probably did not necessarily define, I can't wait for her to become an LO. So, so at some point as a leader, you had to make a decision that you were okay with her pursuing whatever she wanted to pursue. So just talk briefly about that and then we'll yeah. take it from there. So at that point like in my career, you get to those points where um, you have to make a decision. And really the decision for me was a little bit of a sacrifice because the easy thing for me to do would have just pushed her into staying where she's at because now I don't have to go find somebody new. I don't have to retrain somebody. Um, but when you're trying to build a brand, which is what we were trying to do in our market, I need that next level of person. So it's it's kind of a step backward for me to go a step forward as a branch. Yeah, yeah. So tell us your side of the story, um, and then we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty. Sure. Um, so I actually started out um, in the business banking world right out of high school, um, and then I went into college um, and was able to work in the bank. I was in the retail and the operational side. Um, and then I had an opportunity um, to come on as a temp, actually, at the place that he was talking about um, and uh, get partnered up with a top LO in, in the market, which is pretty scary, actually, and exciting all at the same time. So took that uh, opportunity and learned really fast what this crazy business is all about, right? Um, and... Um, Really, you know, loved working with Eric. Um, he really pushed me to get uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So really pushed me to be a problem solver, um, you know, deliver bad news um, to clients. When I made a sandwich, <laughs> had to eat that. So um, <laughs> definitely was a little humbling there because uh, I learned, again, I heard some of the other speakers talking about owning, and it's really important. Um, people appreciate that on a whole nother level. Um, so we, I did that, um, you know, pretty awesome to come in working with a top producer just to kind of give some numbers for Eric to toot his horn a little bit. Um, in his 20 plus years of business, he has closed over 7,000 loans um, and $1.2 billion in wow. uh, yeah. volume. Phenomenal. So 
I was with him for about a, I think it was a third of that, I think we were thinking, maybe, something like that. So about 2,000 uh, uh, excuse me, loan transactions. So, um, yeah, so basically got thrown into the wolves. Um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of the success came from the immersion, you know, getting all that uh, knowledge base from being a production partner with Eric. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the top three things were that Eric either showed you, told you, or taught you um, during during your, your transition to becoming a loan officer? Sure. Uh, the first one was to invest in yourself. Um, Eric's always been a Duncanite, actually. So, um, you know, he'd go to these conferences and come back, you know, pumped up. And, you know, we'd take away some nuggets from everything and kind of implement into, mm -hmm. in, into the business model that we had going on. And so that was the biggest one, because um, if you're going to grow, you've, you've really got to invest in yourself and spend the money mm -hmm. to figure out what's going to take you to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, really probably being a problem solver, um, pushing me again outside that comfort zone because he was really good at that. He would never give me the answer, which was great, I mm -hmm. suppose, in learning. Mm -hmm. um, and I, had, I don't know, I mean, uh, just being a great leader. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's somebody that, you know, I honestly, I just wanted to be just like him. <laughs> you know, pretty amazing to um, be able to walk alongside somebody who challenges you every day and, you know, pushes you to your limits. So. And, and who has successfully closed 7,000 loans. Yeah. yeah. That, that'd, be a, that'd be a good vibe to, yeah, to walk vibe. next to, for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. How so I, go ahead. Yeah, so I think, I, I think one of the things that, that was interesting about the transition is, you know, I, I know that Eric and I have worked together and worked together and worked together, and we've done a lot of cool things over the years. And yet, all of a sudden, it is you that is stepping up under his leadership and making investment in yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'd like you to just talk a little bit about your experience with that decision on your own to go to the academy. Not once. Yeah, twice in 24 months. Uh, yeah, 12 months, sorry, 12 not months. 24 months. Numbers are off. Uh, yeah, um, actually the first time I went to uh, sales, actually I came to Sales Mastery in 2016. That was my first, I really wanted to come and find out who this Todd Duncan guy was for myself. <laughs> um, so I actually saw um, Susan Hatfield up here on the stage and was like, wow. I really hope I get an opportunity to chat with that girl because she's pretty awesome. And to be honest with you, she's become a really good friend and a mentor as well. Awesome. She is yeah. awesome. Just one of the main things to point out is don't be afraid to ask people out in the audience because we're all here. We're all like-minded. That's the best part about it, you know, to be surrounded by so many like-minded people. Absolutely. And just in a reminder, we have the speakers. Uh, to the, All the speakers today are going to be at the High Trust booth at 445 so if you have questions you can ask them yeah. so go ahead i'm sorry no that's okay just kidding had to put that plug Susan in Hatfield. <laughs> yeah so then uh you know uh you know as eric mentioned fast forward um you know joined him um opening up a branch really helping him grow his business and uh honestly i just was like wow i can't beat him got you know you got to join him so had that opportunity to do that um, and then took took on High Trust Sales Academy uh, first year, very overwhelming, a lot of information thrown at you, so many good things because you just want to implement everything, 
which you can't do that, even though you want to. Um, and then immediately had the opportunity with my company to take that again. Um, and of course, I, I think I was the first or second person to sign up. So, um, and, just and you were in the front row the yeah, second I time. Yeah, in the front row. Yeah, it's where you get the Love most. It. But so so let's let's talk about um, let's talk about the the whole idea of, of of what you have done from an implementation standpoint that is giving you this extra you know, growth in volume from 80 to 165 deals a year, that's your pace. And so what, what have you done mm -hmm. that every, anybody here can kind of model and, and go and do likewise? Sure. Uh, first one was time blocking. That was huge. Um, to be honest with you, I just felt like I, my days were chaotic, you know, lots of interruptions and you get sidetracked and it takes you a really long time to get focused. So time blocking, um, I plan on Sunday nights uh, for about two hours to kind of plan my week and then go in maybe into the next week a little bit. Um, but, you know, I really set up block time for, you know, borrower consultations, uh, personal notes, um, my face-to-face -face time with my real estate agents, uh, my top partners. Um, I really spend some time with them face-to-face -face each week and then my calls and my follow-ups. So time blocking is huge. Knowledge acquisition, um, any of that kind of stuff. And again, just making sure that you're, if you get off track, you reset yourself and get right back on track. So just to make sure everybody's clear, I, I think the first time that the time blocking got spoken about from stage uh, was 1992. <laughs> and um, I, I just wanna let you know that, that every time I hear it, it reminds me that we can all do a better job organizing and m having a methodology <clears throat> to what we do, when we do it, the rhythm, the, the system behind it, right? And so how hard was that for you to go from an LOA kind of standpoint where you're on demand sure. to all of a sudden realizing that I've got to create order and process, and by the way, we're never done with this. The world constantly changed. Therefore, then the pressures on your time constantly change. And as you innovate and, and, and come up with the ideas that keep you going fit fast forward, you got to continue to look at that, that time piece. And so we're never going to stop talking about it, but it is the great implementation of rhythm. So talk about that transition of zero time block to now being organized. Uh, yeah, it's life-changing, actually. Um, you get to control your day instead of everyone else controlling it for you. So um, it really has grown my business um, because I actually have the set times, um, you know, for my calls and block time. It also has allowed me to have more family time and more balance um, because I really wasn't doing that. That didn't really come first. Um, so it's really, I've set that, I, I go to that first. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, I really get that, the things that bring me joy, you know, as she was saying. So um, it, the transition just from being a loan officer assistant to that is, it's been really exhilarating because you, you're your own boss, really. It's kind of scary and exciting all at the same time. But as long as you're, you know, disciplined and can get that time block in there, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think uh, what you do really good at is in your time blocking, you're really focused. Like before, I felt like you weren't focused. And so that blocked time allows you to focus on stuff. And the more focused you are, the more you're getting done all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that I see that's different now. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So great. you talked about rhythm with your uh, with your partner, your real estate agents and your mm -hmm. partners. And, and I know one of the things that you have done is you've learned that kind of the art of going deeper in conversations. And part of what I said last night <clears throat> is the idea that that um, you can speed up a relationship fit fast by slowing down the conversation and asking deeper questions that give you a more meaningful connection. So talk about how you put that into the marketplace and then what does the time blocking look like as you continue to add value to those partners? Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things, the very first things when I was at the first high trust was, you know, you need to narrow down the people you're working with. And I didn't realize how important that was actually until I started to go deeper and deeper with um, my top partners. So, you know, I had a huge funnel of people and you just start to think about who do you really want to work with um, and who has the same like-minded personality and traits that you do and they're going to do business the way that you do. Um, and you really just start to develop more time block for those people. So for me in my time block, I spend at least four hours a week face-to-face -face with those partners. Um, you know, I, I think I started out with like 48 people on my list, whoever would throw a loan at me, I think. Um, and I think I'm down to about, I don't know, 16 now, and there's a couple teams on there. So I'm really um, grateful for the relationships because I just really want to, you know, build a deeper relationship. It's not rocket science, right? You're just building that relationship and going deeper with the people. Um, actually, I brought my top referral partner with me here because I That's wanted awesome. her to see what, you know, high trust was all about, sales mastery. So, so where is she? Uh, back there. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. We have a realtor in the house. That's a good <laughs> so, You know, just having the opportunity to go deeper um, with those people, it, you know, our, our kids play together. I mean, doing more things, you know, you, you also, I feel like, um, <clears throat> make people realize how valuable you are to them mm -hmm. and how valuable their relationship is, you know, to you. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what's on the horizon for you and, mm -hmm. and what, what's uh, 2020 look like? What are you thinking about business and future and forward and all those good things? Yeah. So uh, it's going to be my best year ever. <clears throat> really looking forward to that. Um, you know, I hired assistant actually uh, here in July. So what? that's, yeah. So that was my third thing. Your assistant, actually. no longer your assistant. So you've gone yeah. from an LOA yeah. and 30 months later you have an LOA. Mm -hmm. I love Correct. it. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. How does that make you feel, proud, proud Papa? She, huh? she, right? she, she's great, too. Like, she's, yeah. she's good. No, it's, it's good because uh, one of the things that increased my business dramatically, I remember, is when I had my first assistant, which stemmed from coming to a Duncan event. I saw my business grow. So it's kind of cool to see that she's in the beginning stages of that and, and that she's new enough that she hasn't seen that growth yet. So mm -hmm. I, I'm anticipating that her next year is gonna be really good because she can you know, in, in, implement processes right. and procedures that weren't there before. This is a question that <clears throat> I wasn't planning on asking, but just because of listening to Eric, I'm gonna ask you, okay. wh what, what inspires you about him? Oh, wow. I got lots of words for that. Um, you know, 
he's he's actually grown to be um, a really close friend, mentor, but like a brother to me. Um, I can't imagine being in this business without him. But, um, you know, every day, you know, he just comes in. He's got a happy smile on his face and he's always making you laugh, you know, um, always challenge you what's going on, how you doing, you know, he's, so he really cares about, um, his team. And actually that's part of the reason we're up here is because of our team, you know? Um, so, you know, he's just been a really good role model. Um, you know, he's a great dad, um, good husband. Um, you really just want to surround pe yourself with people, um, that are like that. Cause you just want to be like people that, you know, are already living that dream. So, yeah. And, and what do you see as a leader, just for anybody as they think about doing what you have kind of done, whether they're a producing branch manager or they are an LO and they're building a team, what, 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 what is it and what was it about Rachel that inspired you to invest in her and, and uh, to come alongside her all these years, but especially the last 24 months? Um, I, I think it was uh, her drive and her quest to learn more you know you could tell that <clears throat> hey there was always something more that she wanted to know well why about this and why about that so you just knew that she wanted to take another step because of the questions that she would ask yeah. I mean that would happen all the time yeah I would love to know if if the audience had leaders that want to mentor someone what would be the top two or three things that you feel that you would say, this is how you mentor someone to be another Rachel Paris? Yeah, well, I think for one, you, you have to, to know that it isn't an instantaneous process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to take time. I mean, in today's world, I think everybody wants things instantaneously, mm -hmm. and you can't develop a leader instantaneously. You know, right. you have to invest time in them and you've mm -hmm. got to know that that's, that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like I talked about before, I think you have to give them permission to fail. Like you have to challenge them and you have to say, look, what's the worst that's going to happen if you fail? What's the worst thing? You mm -hmm. know, no, nobody's going to die. I always say all Nobody the time, dies we do home. loans. We aren't heart surgeons. Nobody's going to die if a loan no grows up. No one dies in a loan. No, mm -mm. Nobody dies, you know. Mm -mm. So those are the two things I think I would tell somebody in developing people. Yeah. And Rachel, awesome. what would you say that you would want in a mentor from an originating part? What would you want in, in your leader? Yeah, so really somebody who's helping you be accountable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, knowing your numbers is really important. Um, so, you know, Eric's pretty good. Well, actually, his wife Connie's pretty amazing at it. But <laughs> um, truthfully, you know, having someone that's going to, you know, keep you on track and challenge you constantly, um, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's pretty amazing about Eric. You know, he really pushed me, again, to be a problem solver. So it wasn't just, here's the answer. It's go find the answer. Come back to me. I come back, and it's still not the right answer. We'll go find it, you know, kind mm -hmm. of that thing. So I think that if you just, lay, you know, if someone just lays everything out for you, it's it's not really a challenge. So it's right. not And you don't learn. You don't learn. Right. You're right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Excellent. So Eric's talked a lot about failure, and we know that you are rolling from 80 units a year to 165 units a year in, in this period of time. What, what were one or two of your setbacks that you can share with everybody to just be vigilant around, be mindful of? I think when you have a servient heart, and so sometimes you take on stuff yeah. 
that you probably shouldn't take on, you know, and it, and it sucks energy and time uh, and it's not profitable for you. So I feel like you're, you're, you've learned a lot, but that's something that I would say that, that I would answer that question. Learning to say no. Yeah, and that's hard as a new originator. It's very difficult because you're so afraid that, oh my gosh, if I say, don't say yes to everything, I'm going to miss out. And it's very difficult as a new originator to, to just learn to say no and no and guard your time yeah. and guard, guard your day and guard your minutes. Well, we would have those conversations, like she would have a loan like that, and I'm like, how much time have you spent on mm -hmm. this? Like, right. how much time? You could have done three other loans in the time that it's taken you to get through this loan, and, and all you had to do was say no, you know? And sometimes it's not just saying no, it's say, you know what, here's your action plan. Here's your don't give up action plan on what you need to do to become mortgage ready down the road. So then at that point, you can go on, because sometimes, especially as new, I see that new originators making that mistake, trying to jump in and be the hero, yep. and, then, and, and then at the end, it, you're never the hero because it blows up and everyone's mad at you anyway when you could have just educated and then stayed in touch and made sure that, that down the road it worked. Well, I think you put it back on the client and, mm -hmm. and you say, hey, look, I want to help you. Here's the things that you need to do. If you right. do these things, I can help you. If you don't, then I can't do anything. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a hard lesson to learn for new originators. It is. Just trying to get deals. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All good? You know what? There's very valuable. Super proud of you, you guys. Super proud. Big very round of applause for Eric and Rachel. Hey, thanks for being part of today's episode. I've got a special gift for you. I want to make sure you are aware of. I just released a 25-page ebook entitled "The Five Irrefutable Principles of a High-Performance Business." These five principles are game-changing. There's a lot of methods towards success, but if you ignore the principles, it's very, very hard to know that those methods will work. Go to the show notes below, just click on the link, download this 25-page ebook, and see what kind of impact it can make in your business and your life.